Hello, hello, hello. It is numbers on the boards. That wasn't skin. That's Mike Marshall. Hello, Mike. No, I'm Epidermis, his brother. What does that mean? Isn't epidermis that means skin? Oh, okay. scientific. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Man. You were a, were a learned doctor. This is off to a roaring start already. Uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Skin yeah, yeah, is out yeah. of town. I I want to say he's at the beach or something. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Instagramming from him. Oh, really? Just in general over the last month, but last two days have been just. Is he at the beach? Strong on the gram. Let me see. Let's stalk. Are there any context air. clues? Because he he wasn't very specific. He might have been on the last episode. I don't remember um, because the last episode was like almost two hours long, and so by the end of it, my brain was mush. He's having a Presidente beer. He's playing with dolphins. Oh, so he's definitely at the beach. Yeah, he's with uh, his son, as you might imagine, playing on a swing set. Um, this one probably with wasn't dolphins worth, or probably not no swing set dolphins. Oh, okay. um, uh, he's just. Holding the phone out the window as they're driving down a really normal street. Again, another one. There's uh, what's his kid's name? Devin Damon. De- um, Dev Des. Des. Des Desmond. Desmond is the constant. More fo- more just vids of driving down a street. His daughter's doing something. Holding his phone out the window. That seems really yeah. reckless. His daughter looks like she got a Def Leppard T-shirt. Nice. They're at a record store, which is always fun. Yeah. Take your kids and figure out how washed you are. And then yeah, there is a beach. <laughs> there is a beach. It's a nice beach. It's pretty... Really? Yeah, it's pretty fancy. Cool. I am now... I'm going to go, so... Are you, are you jealous? <laughs> I'm just going to leave now. You're definitely jealous. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Mike, thanks for joining. No worries, Robert. Um, it is, uh, like I said, it's the day before Thanksgiving, so uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours listening at home. Do people uh, start cooking right now? I think so. Well, I Does don't know. Does it take that like, long? If you So if you bake a turkey... Or bake a turkey... Uh, it's not really will bake. bake a turkey. It's like will roasting one. a turkey, I think. Yeah. There's about 20 different methods now. Is there? So I, I'm pretty sure that turkey takes a while to prepare. I don't think it mm. takes as long to cook. Like, it's it's in the oven for a couple hours, I think, to cook through. Like but three. It takes a while to prepare. So Yeah. Um, and it, it depends on how you do Thanksgiving, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think you and your family go out to eat. We typically. started doing that. We used to do Mexican Thanksgiving. We're yep. all Mexican food. Yeah. Um, we do, like, King Ranch casserole, which mm-hmm. is just chef's kiss on point. Um, people bring enchiladas. Get you some nice queso with some trezo in there, and yeah, you are asleep by 2 p.m. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so, but uh, I was walking on the street this morning, walking my dog, because I'm a respectable human being, and I walk my dog at least two or three times a day. And wow. uh, there's one house. Our street is entirely townhomes, except for like two actual houses of people that just won't cave, won't sell their their property. And I'm like, y'all are regretting this, aren't you? Anyway, walk by the one house that's on our block that isn't a townhome. And it just smelt delicious. Like, it smelt so good. I was like, like meat or like sides? No, like sides, like stuffing maybe. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, or like some cream corn was going on in there. Ooh, nice, like, nice. I was like, cream I'm about to break good. into this house. Got to catch a case on pre-Thanksgiving day. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my family's always been pretty traditional Thanksgiving. Now, Christmas is whenever we have typically, like, spread our wings a little bit. And by mm. we, I mean the adults, um, the grown-ups. I am a 28-year-old toddler basically so right. I, I don't it's ever a cook anything. child yeah um but uh yeah i'm looking forward to it man ham is good mac and cheese is good uh one of the rare holidays where there's no basketball yeah like we Christmas. should own that the nfl is already all over it which is difficult just in general i think we need to have more appointment 
television dates. Yeah. Well, we we have some. So like there's Christmas always, Day. Christmas is Day is like the biggest NBA mm-hmm. day. Um, MLK. I want to say yeah, MLK Easter I think is always yeah. Uh, the All Star Game is always around Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fourth of July is um, you know free agency. Yep. And then Memorial Day I skipped over like a three months there. Memorial Day is a big playoff day. It's the draft. Too. The draft is uh, always like late June. Is okay. that like Flag Day or something? Is that in there? Maybe. Big Flag Day guy, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know when the draft is, but I'm just saying in our schedule during the season, like. Not necessarily holidays. We just need more more appointment viewing dates. Like we need to take over like Friday night. We need to have like four super lit games on mm. Friday night. Yeah, the weird thing with the NBA schedule is that so often Tuesdays and Thursdays are like devoted to TNT mm-hmm. basically, and so there's almost no games on those days except for yep. like the games of the week. And what we're finding out this year is that whenever you plan on the Warriors being really good, yeah, it's a tough and thing. They aren't then it makes national viewing tough. Right, so ratings are technically down, but it's like, okay, well, you, you chose this team mm. that is now starting a person named Kai Bowman, which all <laughs> respect to Kai, I don't, I'm not necessarily locking in for two and a half hours of Kai Bowman basketball. Yeah. So that sucks. We're, we're doing a lot of early games, which is interesting to me on weekends, so we can get our friends overseas involved mm. and get some broadcasting on their, on their part. But Yeah, there was an article about that in uh, man what, what, was that on the athletic or maybe i i forget where it was but there was got a lot of subscriptions bobby yeah yeah uh on the athletic or espn or something where they were talking about overseas maybe it was the ringer you know i think it was ah, kevin o'connor in the okay ringer. Um, but i'm not sure yeah uh kevin o ratings but uh <laughs> it was uh talking about how like luca and Giannis, like a lot of mavs and bucks games are starting early this year, especially on weekends, because Makes sense. you know you got Slovenia, Greece, Spain, of course, mm-hmm. um, Latvia, you know Germany. Keep, keep naming countries. Uh, See how far Serbia, you can go. Uh, well, players where the countries where the Mavs are from are just countries, just in general. Okay, Brazil, countries uh, it can get. Canada, Mexico. <laughs> okay, you jump back over to North America. Okay, yeah, I'm that out, was I'm easy. Out. Oh wow, United States. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Puerto Good Rico, job. which is a territory, but yeah. also kind of a, part they, of the United States. They, but they have an Olympic team, so nah. I view them, you know, in Olympic terms. We're just being nice. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of. I mean, I, I love JJ, so hopefully. Uh, okay, so it's numbers on the boards presented by Bedgear. Yeah. Um, I just got a new Bedgear pillow the other day. Actually, that's awesome. It's phenomenal. I uh, love me some sleep. Dude, sleep is so important. Like last night, for example, mm-hmm. Clippers are in town. It's a 7.30 tip. We're at the arena until what, like 11, 11.30? Yeah, I told my wife 2 a.m., but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, go home and get to sleep. And I got to wake up early enough to get here to get the breakfast tacos before you take all the bacon ones. Right. And so, you know, I, I got to maximize the whatever seven and a half, eight hours of sleep that I can get if I get that. And so um, as a hip, habitually bad sleeper, it's been very important to get bed gear products man i'm telling you I, I told this to skin last time i went on and on about it like i know that i'm supposed to tow the company line or whatever because mm-hmm. bed gear does present this podcast but like it's, it's having a comfortable bed and a comfortable pillow is genuinely like a life-changing thing it's a game changer whenever you start making adult money and you can get a proper size bed and like good pillows mm-hmm. and good sheets and a good mattress like your life just changes yeah you feel like an adult you feel like you can almost do anything when you wake up Mm. We got a, I think, I don't know what size bed we have, but we got it a couple of years ago. And I mean, I'm 6'4", uh, with a ratchet. My wife's tiny, but we would just 
dominate this tiny bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got like a legit bed with legit pillows. And I was like, you know what? I feel grown up. Mm. I feel like I can. It's nice to sleep with your feet not. I can mow my own ledge, yard. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, dude, it really, it really does matter. And also I get very hot when I sleep too. So having some like heat deflecting fabrics in there and the sheets and stuff, man, it really is like, it sounds really weird to say, but then whenever you try it, you're like, holy crap, what have I been missing out on? So, uh, anyway, uh, bed gear does have some black Friday sales going on. Um, they actually, they added me the other day because, uh, one of my Twitter followers was, um, and one of the podcast listeners was Just checking yell, it out. yelling at you about takes. No, 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 oh, no. no. Okay. Uh, they they listened to Skin and I talking about Bed Gear last week. Oh, nice! And uh, they checked it out and was like, "Man, do they have any Black Friday sales?" And they actually responded with a link. Uh, so if you go to my timeline or go to Bed Gear's timeline, actually, and uh, you'll see a yeah, link. Nobody to get needs some, to follow uh, you. Yeah, no, you'll get some. You'll get some nice Black Friday deals. So seriously, go check that out. Um, okay, Mike. Yeah. Basketball mm. happened. The Mavs played the Clippers last night. Basketball's happening right now. I'm uh, watching the Fall Classic as oh, we're doing this. Oh, okay, yeah. Those games are all beyond uh, yeah. Mavs.com. Apparently, they, they got some really good players there. So the Greg Brown is like a top three player in the country. Yeah, and he's the number one, Austin number one guy from Texas, and there's yeah. always studs coming out of Texas. Yeah, DeSoto's playing right now, so I like DeSoto. They always have a great basketball team. The great Marcus Bolden, I think, was the last one mm. that went from – Went to Duke, and then I think he's in the league somewhere. But anyway. Well, and then yeah. this weekend at American Airlines Center, you got Bronny and Zaire Wade coming in. Oh, Sierra really? Canyon. So are you going to go check that game out? No, I'll be in L.A. or Phoenix or New Orleans. Oh, okay. I'll be so, at no. home. I'll, I'll rely on you to go over there and get vertical video of I w- Bronny. I will probably not be there. Oh, yeah? But, uh, Weird. Uh, but I was there last night. Um, yeah, on the true. first possession of the game, the Mavs mm. went up 3-0. And then the game ended, yeah. and it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> we all went home. Yeah, big win last City night. City Edition was a success. Yeah, let's go yeah, home. Big win. Um, but yeah, it, it ended up being kind of a tough one. One fourteen to ninety nine. The Mavs lose. Clippers are really, really good. And they uh, are man. Last night the Mavs were eleven of thirty eight on threes. So that is the Ugh. kind of game that it was. Um, it's a lot of feast or famine with this team on, on three-point shooting. Luca and KP's combined numbers from three and just overall. I know they had they made eight shots. They, they made one, of, one three combined? Eight of 27. Now KP hit two. two okay. Or maybe three, actually. Oh, wow. KP, KP hit some threes. but Because uh, he hit the first one, he hit one on the wing later in the game, and then he hit that half logo court. shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Luca, I think, was 0 for 8 or something, or 0 for 6. Yeah. I think they were like 8 of 35 combined yeah, on it shots. Yeah, was, it, was it was a tough night, man. I mean, the Clippers are legit. They're really, really, really good. That's a and then good you, basketball team. Mavs didn't do themselves many favors. Season, not a season high, second season high. What do you, a season penultimate high? A season runner-up? For what? What's that? Are we Turnovers. Trying? Oh, uh, yeah, second most. The second, the season second most turnovers. Yeah. Uh, oddly, every single time they've played an LA team this year, they've committed twenty turnovers at least. So, yeah. um, that's a that's a bad trend. Now, luckily, there's only eight games against LA teams on the schedule. So, <laughs> <laughs> a small eight games. Yeah, um, yeah. The Clippers are just straight up a pain in the ass because you typically just whenever you start building a team and you start going from night to night to different cities, or if you're at home, whatever. Uh, a team rolls in and they might play really hard. They might be an offensive team. Their DNA is kind of there and you can see it and you know how to scheme against it. But whenever you have two superstars, I mean, elite top 10 guys, maybe top five ish guys and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you typically don't have a team around them that is filled with just 
workhorses. Mm. And that's what the Clippers have because of the unique situation that happened with free agency last year and Paul George getting sent uh, that way and Kawhi Leonard signing on being contingent on Paul George joining. You already had Montrez. You already had Pat Bev. You already had Lou Will. The two best bench players in the NBA. Yeah, you already had Zubac. Like, they're just – they have two of the best players that have ever lived – and then you have a bunch of dudes that just want to kick your ass every yep. minute they're on the court. And that is very difficult. It's tough, man. And you got Luka right on the Mavs. And so every single game the Mavs play, you're like, all right, which one of the opponent's players can guard Luka? Yep. Well, the Clippers have three in their starting lineup. And that means Luka has to guard one of them, too. Yep. And that is tough, man. I mean, there were so many possessions last night where, like, Pat Bev has hounded him all the way up the floor, 94 feet. Luka gets a screen. Well, Pat Bev switches off, so you're like, okay. And then, oh, it's actually it's Paul George right yeah. in front of me now. Right. And so now I got I to gotta try and beat him. Well, then Kawhi's lurking over there mm-hmm. to pick off my pass if I try and pass out of this pressure. So it's really, really, really tough. I'm not sure that there's been a team. I mean, like Golden State with Iguodala and KD and Clay had some really, really good perimeter defenders, but – I'm not sure that there's a team that has three maniac defenders the way that the Clippers do with Kawhi, Paul, and uh, and and Pat Bev. I mean, they're like in your face, not afraid. They will rip the ball right out of your hands and let you know about it. Kind of players. Yeah. I mean, it is it is tough. And that's it's the thing about tough. good good teams is that makes things so much simpler for the other guys. Like the first half last night, Zubac was awesome, mm. getting offensive rebounds, getting putbacks. He was all over the place, and you don't account for him chopping you up in the first half. You know, you might account for Montrez because Montrez is just – if you don't put the right kind of athlete on Montrez, he's in your kitchen about ten times a game. He averages 20 a game. Yeah, that dude's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it just makes everything easier for everyone else, and that's kind of like – if you flip the card, like that's kind of what Luca's been doing, right? He's been getting better looks for Tim. He's been getting better looks for Dwight. He's been getting stuff out of Dorian, corner threes out of Dorian. Um, and it's you can't overstate how important it is to have a dude like that, at least offensively, that generates positive looks. They have two. And if you want to throw Lou Will out there with them, they have three that just constantly generate positive offensive looks. And then they have just depth flying around out there. I mean, mm-hmm. Jermichael Green like doesn't play at all. They got Mo Harkless like for free right. this summer. And those dudes were, you know, those are starting caliber players. Mm. So I don't – I haven't seen anything quite like the Clippers last night. I mean, we the Lakers came in here, and the Lakers are a completely different animal. I don't feel like they have the defensive acumen across the board like the Clippers do. When they lock in, they do, but not yeah. night to night, I don't not, think. Not consistently. It's not the connective thing of – it's all the way up and down the roster for the Clippers. Mm. Like, you might – someone might have a big man – that can just give Zubak the work in the post, but that's not necessarily us. Um, and it's probably not 20 teams in the league. Mm. So they do have very minor weaknesses, but you can cover them up so easily because you just have great defenders, great shot creators, and spades. They look like a title team. Yeah, they do. They, they really, really do. do. And we're not buttering them up to like take the – blame off the Mavs for losing. I mean, no. that was that was a disappointing performance, but I do think it's important that 
you know, even though they've won five in a row and they beat the Raptors, who are really good, they beat Houston, who's obviously very good too. You know, I don't really think last night was like a they need look how far they need to go right, right to reach that level. I mean, they shot twenty percent from three, and Paul George made four threes in the first quarter, and the game was over. I mean, it was kind it was over pretty quick. Um, I don't think it's like a huge like statement on their whole like state of the team or anything, but. Um, it's kind of, I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't want to put too much weight on it, but it was kind of like a reality check, right? Yeah. Uh, shows you what happens whenever you don't shoot 40% from three, <laughs> which is yeah. what happened during that five-game winning streak. I mean, if your shots aren't falling, uh, then you have to take care of the ball and create good looks at twos. But if you're turning the ball over and your shots aren't falling, well, then mm-hmm. you're not. And you miss everything at the rim. I mean, they missed a lot of layups. And they drew a lot of uh, fouls. You know, they went to the free throw line a lot, but they missed some free throws. And they weren't able to stay in front of their men on defense. So it was, it was kind of a, a total, I guess, top to bottom, difficult performance. There was really not much at all that went right for them, uh, except for, you know, JJ proving like, hey, yeah, I'm still here and really, really good. Yeah, that was very positive. Um, for that dude to come in there and just automatically still got it. Like, I can give you 10 minutes and score 12. And that's that's his bag, man. He's solidifying his spot as the third leading scorer on the team. <laughs> really oh, is. Tim actually passed him. Yeah, Tim had a couple of really nice games. He had a twenty point game and a thirty one point game. Yeah, that thirty one point game moved him past JJ yeah. by half a point. Yeah. It's I mean, during the season, in the course of a season, if you do watch all the games, which we that's our job, a lot of fans do as well, or, you know, catch a good seventy five of them or whatever, you just kinda get lost in the sauce of expectation where you should always just have a notes on your phone that just says, okay, this is my expectation for this season. This is how good I think this team can be with this current structure. And I'm not going to waver too far from that. Because when you f- win five in a row and you score 140 for three straight games, you kind of get, get a little full of yourself. Mm. You get a little bit of, well, maybe we are as good as the top four teams in the league. Maybe we can beat them on a night-to-night basis. And it's I don't think it's a testament to where we are this season necessarily i think it's a it's a tuesday night game against the best team in the nba um in when november you, when you don't shoot well yeah that's what it's going to look like like you can read deeper into it that you know it's a confidence check and the guys are going to feel pretty down about it i don't i don't think so i think those guys are smart enough now um just judging from what happened against the knicks seven games ago you go up there and you lose a game you have no business losing um, for the second time to a team that's going to pick top three in the draft next year. And it's like, do you get back up? Do you have that? Do you have the minerals to go right back out there and say, don't care. We're going to go win five in a row. We're going to have a perfect homestand. We're going to score 140 a night. And they did it. And that's the kind of stuff that matters to me. It's overcoming that because the season's so long, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to have uh, a streak longer than four or five games in which you're just running super hot. It's going to happen. Um, so they've showed some maturity in that, that area. I think Luke is going to come out next game and just nuke the Suns. Like, I think that's going to happen. They, it's Kelly Oubre guarding yeah, him? Yeah, probably Oubre. The Mavs do struggle against Devin Booker, but Phoenix has nobody for Luka. I yeah. mean – it's it, they, they might have anybody both go for, off for fifty. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they have anybody for KP either. Yeah, like, they don't really. Yeah. Like I don't. I mean, the mighty Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines has been playing, been playing great. He's yep. been playing freaking great. But 
I don't think Baines is going to be very comfortable. Yeah, so it's a game, like you were saying, where if they do what they do, then they should win. But Absolutely. It's, it's more a matter of can, you, can yeah. you do it. And it's impossible for us to win if KP and Luka shoot poorly. I'm going to go ahead and put that on a bold, bold statement watch. Wow. <laughs> we're just... We're just not going to win very many games when our two best players don't shoot well. Mm. But it's we're never going to win a game whenever those two guys don't play well and we don't have a third score. Mm. We don't have a Tim go off for 20. We don't have a, a J-Jax drop 19 on somebody. Dwight, uh, 20. Or Seth, whenever Seth gets rolling. We can't win. We cannot win that way if we don't have a third scorer, contribu- third scorer contributing um, and the two top dudes are shooting, you know, three of 16 from three or whatever it was mm. it's just, it's mathematically you lost yeah it was a bad game plan man they should have just made more yeah, just shots make, make more threes yeah if they would have done that they would have been good um you always hear rick especially and even dirk used to talk about this a lot because in his like later years the importance of not getting too high not getting too low like you win five in a row maybe you are kind of feeling yourself and uh, you feel bold enough to wear a Bobon shirt to the game yeah. and, you know it's all smiles you hope to be ideally you hope to be the type of team and, and the type of person the type of players whatever that are going to do that even if you lost five straight right yeah. because it's a long season even the best teams lose 20 times and oftentimes the best teams lose to other best teams right mm-hmm. you do have your slip-ups like the Bucks last year lost twice to the Suns but you're going to lose. You're going to lose by double digits. That was really the first game this season that the Mavs had almost no chance at winning. Um, even the Boston game, I think, was tied with like six minutes left. They ended up losing by 10. The Lakers, they lost by nine. But uh, that was an overtime, and they actually technically should have won that game. But uh, that's ancient history. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's you got smacked around by a really good team at home, and now it's just a matter of flushing it and you know moving yeah. on. You got to keep that doubt at arm's distance, right? You mm-hmm. got to keep it. You got to keep it out here, because there's another one. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how your what your mentality is. You got to fly to to Phoenix on Thanksgiving Day, and then play the next night. And to me, the the term they use in baseball is a, a shutdown inning, mm-hmm. right? You just you just took the lead, or you just scored a couple. Can you get that shutdown inning? Um, for me, I don't know what you would call it in basketball, but after a Loss. Like Lucas said, a bounce back. Yeah, it's a bounce back. It's a bounce back game. When you get kicked square in the in the boys, what do you do next game? How do how how do you respond? And that's way more important to me than everybody can. Everybody's in a good mood when you're winning five in a row. Mm. Everyone's having a good time. Like shots are going in. the The basket looks humongous, um, and that's part of growing as a team and getting older and getting more mature in the league and being led by a twenty year old, a twenty four year old. It's almost everyone else's job to be those like uh, mental ninjas and just be like, you know what, whatever, let's go. But I think Luca's like handling it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know he didn't show up for media last night, which is weird on his behalf, but um, I don't, I don't read too much into that. Yeah, no, not at all. That's why. So uh, yesterday, Rick called at practice. Rick called Tim a connector again. Mm-hmm. He used that phrase again, and I was gonna ask him. What does that mean? But yeah. then Brad Townsend asked him right, yeah. like right when I was about to, and I was like, "Thank God," because Brad asked the question way better than I could. But uh, I thought he meant connector, like 
he makes the pass or like mm. is in the right spot, like connecting like X's and O's wise, but he might connect or like he keeps guys connected, like he keeps yeah. talking to them and stuff. And That's to your point Malcolm about Malcolm Gladwell, what's the connector? Well, it, I will explain it all later, but uh, mm. off air because it's a there's a whole book. But oh wow, <laughs> um, basically it was about Baltimore mm. and whenever you know, like uh, the wire is about the heights of Baltimore, right? The the high rises where. Mm. Uh, Basically, a lot of the crack epidemic started, mm-hmm. and everybody in the Heights were the customers of you know one drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And then they tore down the Heights or shut down the Heights, and now the drug dealer's out of the Heights, so crack started spreading into different areas of Baltimore. He's the connector. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, metaphor is slightly different for tenure, <laughs> I think, but um, but yeah, you know, he just keeps everybody <clears throat> on the same page, kind of the vocal guy. Um, Luca, pretty quiet guy. KP yeah. seems like a pretty quiet guy. Dwight mm-hmm. Powell is pretty quiet guy. I mean, he works hard. Uh, but JJ and Tim are probably your two most vocal guys on the team. And so uh, having Tim out there on the floor with them, I think, does kind of matter. Because yeah. he's he's not afraid to say, hey, like, come on. Right. I think you Bobby's know? kind of the same way, too. Yeah. Just judging from their interactions in the locker room, like, mm. Bobby's just – Picking on everybody. Just yeah. Just trying to make yeah, you laugh. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's like positive energy, but sometimes you need someone that's going to be like mm-hmm. – and, I, you know, sometimes we, we watch the game from the press box, and so, you know, Tim will get beat on defense or something, and then he'll kind of like turn around and sort of like say something. And, I mean, I don't – I'm not smart enough to know what he's saying, but obviously for him to say something to someone else is probably like, hey, you were supposed to help me here. Or like last night at one point I saw him – do uh, the little duck quack thing with mm. his hands. Like, you got to talk. Communicate. Like, yeah, you got to let me know if I'm going to get screened, you know. So, um, yeah, you just need someone to say stuff. So, uh, maybe that's Tim's role on the team is merging, like, the vocal leader. But uh, talking about bouncing back and, you know, playing the Clippers, playing Phoenix. Phoenix is like the freaking, you know, 16 Warriors every time they play the Mavs. Um, you know, you have kind of this whatever reality check game against the Clippers right at before a pretty tough stretch of schedule where you go to Phoenix, then you go to the Lakers, uh, you go to New Orleans, and then you play Minnesota on the second night of a back-to-back, and from there it just kind of gets it gets pretty tough. I mean, you got five games against the East, like top dogs coming up soon too. Um, so this next dozen games, basically this next month heading into Christmas, is uh, some pretty tough basketball. And we're going to find out some things about this team, I guess, see what is – maybe sustainable like what their real kind of real deal is like are they really the best offense in the league um is this three-point shooting that they showed on the homestand is that real or is that i mean obviously no one's going to shoot 45 percent from three for a season but um and that's something that you said you wanted to talk about too is what is kind of real what is not so uh seeing as as it was your as it was your idea i'll give you the floor but uh yeah where did you want to go with this uh it's just a lot of it's like anything we're going to talk is tied to Luca. Um, I think we all had pretty, pretty high hopes for him from minute one. Um, and maybe even before, just if you were a fan of him before he was even a Maverick, but it always happens this way with, can I cut you off real quick? Yeah. So the other day or a couple episodes ago, skin and I finally revealed like what we actually thought about Luca Mm -hmm. before the draft. Like I went back and listened to the episode the day after the draft, whenever we got him. And I was like, choking myself because i didn't want to like be too excited about it Mm because their whole their whole mandate back then was like no expectations you know we don't want to put pressure on the kid but uh all like i watched every real madrid game that year and was like this guy is gonna be 
a legend. Yeah. And so well, uh, what what did you what did you think about him? Well, I mean, I I wrote about it. I think it's still out there for people to read. I wrote a draft guide that year because I was still freelance, had a lot of jobs going on, but I didn't have a, an exact Mavs job besides working pre and post game shows. And you know, I knew a year out that that team was not going to necessarily be out of the lottery. Um, so you start looking at it and you start, is Dennis Smith Jr. a piece for the future? Okay, can you draft another guard? That type of stuff. And you land on Luca pretty early. And there's just so much noise that flies around in draft circles. There's just – I mean, I read a article the other day that said the Kings didn't draft Luca because Vladdy didn't like his dad. Like, that's so <laughs> – That is so wild. nonstop noise. Yeah. Like, there's so much noise that happens. And you really – it's – there aren't that many arenas that are like – draft like knowledge even in across other leagues it's like maybe politics and economics whereas there's just noise going on and you have to really really know the subjects to cut through the noise and get the signal that's happening and I try to do it as pure of a way as I could which is watch every player so that I don't get you know, my opinion doesn't get colored by what Sam Bassini thinks or what by. Yeah, I mean, know. if you're only watching Sam Bassini's top yeah. 10 players, then your top 10 players are going to be Sam exactly. Bassini. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You have no context. You don't know how they fit in the whole thing. And it's to me, it's just kind of insane in general for people to casually jump into that. Um, I think that's just way too ambitious. People that cover the draft like casually or just started covering the draft, NFL, NBA, whatever it is. So I started basically a year out just watching guys that were going to be in the draft. And obviously Bagley, I think, was number one for a long time. Aiton got a lot of hype. And then Luca just kept hovering around, and I kept watching him at Madrid. I watched every game he could possibly have. And to me, he looked like the best player that had came out of into or came into the NBA draft in the last, like, five years. Just hands down. And that's against lower competition. So how do I make sense of that? And then you, on the other side, the pendulum goes this way because he's 19 and 18 in these games. So you're just doing all this arithmetic in your head of, holy crap, what did I just see? Is he playing against guys that might not fit in next door in our summer league games? Uh, But he's 18. So just trying to balance that. Sometimes you end up, you know, you you add three, you take three away, you, you do this, and you end up, wherever you land and obviously the league as a whole ended up with him as the third best player which now looks like a mistake pretty dramatic well no i mean he's he might be the third best player in the nba <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i had extremely high expectations mm. and i think everybody that worked here knew that so maybe don't hire a guy that once you thinks your best player is the best player in the world mm. uh he's going to send out your messaging but everything worked out okay yeah um but yeah. my i mean my words are out there i wrote as much as I possibly could on that I think people would read <laughs> before it started getting, you know, insane on the guy and on that draft. And I legit thought he was the best player in that draft and probably the three or four previous. I thought he was the best player to come out since Towns. Towns yeah. is the only – and I, I've only been working – whatever. It's so lame to even say out loud. But I've only – I've been working in the NBA since 2013. So mm-hmm. it's not like I've been around very long. But, um, Slight flex. Yeah, yeah. But every every draft, 
I lean a lot on what Jonathan Chark says. Yeah, Chark guy too. is he's really, really, really good. And now I don't I don't agree with everything he thinks, and he doesn't agree with everything I think either. But he has uh, some wild takes. He does, and he's some of them hit really hard. Yeah, and some, some of them are do. like, what? Nah, yeah. bro. Yeah, but he told me about Towns before. I think Towns is still a senior in high school, and he was mm-hmm. like, he's going to be the best player in the NBA one day. And I was like, all right, talent wise, I'm, I'm going to watch him. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, he's a freak right now. He's shooting 45% on nine threes a game. I mean, yeah. he's incredible. But uh, that's crazy. Anyway, the only other player uh, that has been around since I've been, I guess, really covering the Mavs is uh, Embiid, that Sharks likes more. And yeah. I didn't watch any of Kansas whenever he was there. Mm-hmm. I think he was on the same team as Wiggins, right? He was, yeah. And so I was always just watching Wiggins, and sure. Embiid was, like, hurt, and then he was out, yeah. and I was like, whatever. But, uh, yeah, he hit pretty hard on Embiid, too. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, I'm not trying to stray too far from uh, the, the matter at hand, but uh, if you want to talk about your love affair with Luca, you can, but otherwise back to uh, kind sure. of um, – Yeah, well, the thing I was getting to is whenever you start projecting high-volume, high-usage – ball handlers that are of that age or even around that age. I mean, you can go all the way up to 21 years old. Um, it's always the point totals are cool. The assist totals are cool. The the rebounds, the triple doubles, the, the volume stats are always fun. They're things for us to make, you know, um, videos about. Graphics. Yeah, to make rad graphics about. Um, but you can watch that guy and see that he's not contributing to winning that much. And I don't just mean like making late shots. I mean like making the right play over and over and over and over and picking defenses apart to where they don't feel like they can do they're helpless. Like last year, I, you know, I feel like they would give Luka the step back. And if he hit three or four of them a game, then we win. If he doesn't, okay. We're going to win 33 games again. Mm. And it's just so difficult for a guy of that age. I mean, we saw it with Dennis. We went through it with Dennis. Um, Dennis had what most people thought was a fine rookie year for a guy of his age. I was taking ninth in the draft as a high-volume guard. He didn't contribute to winning. Mm. And that's not a slight on them. It sounds like the biggest, like, critique ever. But honestly, at that age, I mean, I think people know it now that they've heard it, that the average first All-Star game for a point guard is 25. That's for a reason. Point guards and centers, that, that's the steepest learning curve yeah. in the league. And it almost sets your franchise back to where you're going to be in the lottery the next year. It if really you take does. One. It really does. If you take one. I mean, the good teams that are trying to win the championship this year are not drafting a rookie point guard or a rookie center. Mm. It's just not happening. Well, I mean, this is like a, a hot take, but I gave it to Skin. I mean, would the Suns be having the season they were if Aiton was playing all of Baines' minutes? No. Now, five years from now, Aiton's going to be way better than Aaron Baines. Yep. Has ever been right, but today, yeah, Baines know, is better than Aiden in his yeah. minutes he plays. Or at least as when it comes to like competing, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. And I, that's that's the name of the game. So I say he's better right now. Mm-hmm. It just that's just how it works. Yeah, um, it's like you know you can throw any scenario like that out there. It's you know is Courtney Lee better than Roby? Yes, one hundred percent. Because Courtney mm-hmm. Lee's played ten ten years. JJ might be better than every point guard on the team, not yeah. named Luca. Yeah, but. No. You know, I mean, you. But that's yeah. the that's. But the you also got to develop, yeah. the younger guys. You got to get yeah. them real reps. You got to get them up to JJ's speed because maybe their high end potential is what JJ was in his prime, mm-hmm. and you just ride this wave back and forth. And there's a difference in salary, and there's yeah. a difference in yep. everything. Yep. But I say all that to say, we saw a lot of fun numbers and a lot of 
cool Luca stats last year and obviously rookie of the year and everything that happened for him and I think almost sweeping rookie of the month. Uh, he won every he won every West every West one and yeah. won Rookie of the Year voting ninety eight to two. Yeah, so you see all that and you just don't know what it means in like the big world, right? The big world of the NBA. That's fun. That's stuff for us to market. That's stuff for us for fans that are quotables. Can he take that step to contributing to winning basketball? Can he? on a four-game stretch, four- or five-game stretch, average 30, 10, and 10. And all of it is meaningful buckets. It's not step-back threes because I held on the ball for 10 seconds of this possession and didn't read the defense correctly, and, ah, hell, here it goes. Um, Because right now I watch him, and last night is kind of unique. You're not going to see a wave of defenders come at him like that in in a while. Um, I don't know the next team that I would classify in the Clippers range defensively. The Clippers. The Clippers again. But uh, I don't know how you stop him right now. Because it looks like he's added a quicker second step. The first step is always going to be what it, what it is. I mean, he's 6'8". He's not the fastest guy on earth, but he's quicker than you think he is. It's that second step, which is like just takeoff speed. It's like 50-yard dash speed. And he gets you on his hip, and you think he's going to toy with you and do his normal prodding pick-and-roll thing, and then he just puts his other foot in the ground, and he's at the rim. Like, he can do that almost any time he wants now. That's the coolest thing about his evolution thus far, is I'm like, dude's got the shot, dude's got the, got the dimes. Um, he can do about ten other cool things, but I'm like, getting to the rim before the help defender even reacts. Because And it might just be they're frozen because they honestly don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. If I leave my guy, I'm leaving Dorian Finney-Smith open for a corner three. He's been knocking that down. He already hit two. And you're, you're coached. It doesn't matter who you're guarding. You're coached specifically not to allow that shot. Yes. And so he's getting the rim every time he wants. If he's going left, you're about to get – he's about to either dunk on you, get an easy layup, or you're about to get step back left and it's going in. Because mm-hmm. he's making everything stepping back to his left. So the bigger question to me is, is his – obviously, he was leading the league in PER for a while once it, well, at the peak of his, of his statistical uh, hot, hot streak the last five games. Um, it's a long way of saying, is he this freaking good? And hand, can he contribute this consistently to winning basketball? I mean, I hope so. Is that is that going to hold? That's the... Considering that one player ever has averaged 30, 10, and 10 over the course of a season, and considering that right now the Mavs are... Let's see. Let me pull up my little rankings. Averaging a point more per 100 possessions than the best offense of all time, <laughs> I'm tempted to say that it's not sustainable. But here's where things get... This, this is like the projecting Luca's not, not only through the rest of this season, but also his future career, um, is less about improving what he's already good at and like more about ironing out mistakes. So this year he's averaging four and a half turnovers a game. Yeah, he had like seven last night. Yeah, he? he had a lot last night. And now I, I will say probably a lot, of, many of his turnovers, I won't say all of them, but many of them are unforced. 
and he takes nine and a half threes a game, and probably two or three of them he shouldn't really be taking. Yeah. So if you add it up, that's about five mistakes per game that he makes, and he makes about 50 really, really good plays. Yeah. And so if you can turn that five mistakes into three, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're, you're scoring almost two more points yeah. like per game just I mean, based off that because – Literally everything he does leads to points right now. Right. I mean, it's 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 magic. I mean, yeah. there is no – he has solved everything, every problem. Yeah, he's cheating NBA offense. Yeah. He's cheating at it. And there's no way – because of the, the combination of in, improvement in speed and agility and his, his handle is tighter, which makes him yep. look faster, he's getting between the legs quicker, which is allowing him to go forward. I mean, he goes from left to right so fast. Yeah. And I don't see him ever getting any, like, slider in his mm-hmm. frame. So he's always going to be able to keep littler guys off him. And his vision is never going to change. I mean, I don't see how he doesn't just – even if he just stays this good forever. Like, I don't see how he gets worse. Yeah. Right? Uh, his his shooting can only get better. Mm-hmm. His free throw shooting is already really good, 82%. But that can even get better. Um I really think the only thing that can stop him from being like this forever is just like his own boredom. Because yep. it seems like he takes a lot of whack shots sometimes just because uh-huh. he's just like... Right. Just so, I just want to see if I can do it. Yeah. He's just kind of yeah. bored. So I'm going to pull up from 35. Yeah. I made two layups in a row. I'm on fire. Right. Like, let's, you know, and uh, eventually maybe he'll, he'll start making those shots too. And that's where you get like Steph good where mm-hmm. every, t- every single time you score, like the coach is like, I should call timeout yeah. right now. The, o- the only thing... All that's correct. The only thing I would say he could like immediately like the cleaning up, I think is what you were describing. It's kinda like what Kawhi is the cleanest player. Yeah. Doesn't turn the ball over. He does exactly what he wants to do. He can always get bailed out by a fadeaway from like the elbow, right? So clean that up uh, is is the obvious to me. The other thing is can he play off ball? And have some tricks in that bag, right? They started running that elbow play, which is technically him playing off ball until he gets the ball, and then it's, you know, just a six eight guy that sees everything facilitating from the elbow, which is just probably hell mm. on a defense. That's the other thing is using his gravity and using all eyes on seventy seven whenever he catches the ball wherever it is as like a distraction to me, and how well he can do that because everything that's happening is him. Dribbling the ball seven seconds. Now I'm into the offense. Now I have the ball for four more seconds, and we're going. Just getting that other – getting a changeup. Being able to throw a changeup would be – Paul George killed him last night coming off those double screens, like the, mm-hmm. the staggers. Yeah. Kind of starting low and then cutting high. And, you know – He's pretty good. <laughs> Tim is like – Tim is chasing him through two screens. Yeah. No one can do that. I mean, that puts the defense in a really tough position. So can Luka do that? But on this roster right now – uh, I don't think Jalen is there yet. DeLon has proven to be much better when playing not with Luka, basically. Yep. Whether it's against starters or not, he is better individually without Luka. Um, Seth is not really like the play- – I think you'd rather have Seth running off screens than Luka. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why they wanted Kemba this summer is, yeah. you know, to try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. having Luka run everything for 36 minutes a game is very taxing. I mean, you saw it last night. He was gassed. Yeah. I mean – that's the Clippers. He's only really been that tired, I think, one other time this season. That was against the Spurs uh, in the third quarter. I mean, he was exhausted because he was doing 
everything. Yeah. You don't want him to do that forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I mean, kind of the one knock against him, this is something that uh, Jonathan Givoni, Givoni, Givoni? Yeah. Givoni. Givoni from Draft Express mentioned on the Woj Pod the other day with Tim McMahon and former Mavs player development coach Mike Procopio. Really, really good listen. Uh, but one thing that, uh, that Jonathan mentioned was that Luka kind of got worn down in Real Madrid uh, in 2018. And last year his numbers tailed off at the end of the season too. And so, you know, you hope that fatigue won't be an issue. And that's part of the reason why losing weight and putting on muscle and all that stuff matters. But, like, if you do this all the time, all season, then – Everyone gets worn down. Yeah. I mean, it happens to LeBron. LeBron takes two weeks off in January mm-hmm. every year. I mean, that's that's why. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's where you hope, like, KP and Tim Hardaway can continue doing this. KP gets a little better. And then, you know, at some point, somewhere in the future, this could be in two weeks or in five years, mm-hmm. they get another guy that can just do, yeah. do something. Be a little more dynamic mm-hmm. with the ball. Yeah, it doesn't even – if he drops – 15% efficiency in the long run from what has been an insane historic five games first whatever it is he's shooting uh, 62% on twos yeah it's crazy that is absolutely crazy um and we haven't even seen him like work in the post necessarily mm-hmm. you know he'll get there event sometimes and get his own rebound and it just kind of like happens for flow but there's not a design play that's happening that he's posting somebody mm-hmm. um but all the, all that even if he is human, which is, okay, 28 points a game and <laughs> nine, nine assists and eight rebounds. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to matter because I think KP's going to get a lot better as he moves and gets more comfortable and as they find different tricks they can pull with him, which is getting him the ball in the move towards the basket. Yeah. Yeah, it's let's pretty do, good. Let's do a lot of that. It's pretty good. Let's do a lot of that. And his three is inconsistent, but he's mm. 37% on yeah. the year. Which on, the, is on the whole, it's fine. Really, really, really good. Right. I mean, you do that at six attempts a game, that mm-hmm. is – and you could even ratchet that up to like nine or ten. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm down for him taking ten threes a game. Yeah. The thing – the other question on, okay, can we do – can we keep doing this? Like, I know we're – whatever, how many games we are, 17 games in? 17. 17 games in. And that's a pretty big sample size. I like to wait about 20 before I start coming to some judgments, and I – with how skewed our numbers are going to be after the last five games, I might wait 25 games yeah. start judging things. But um, do you think this is a new page, new evolution for – and we saw it last year for stretches, so it feels weird even asking, but for Maxie's three-point shooting, for Dorian's three-point shooting, for Tim contributing um, on most nights 20 points or something like that, because if that stuff starts getting, you know, Maxi didn't, I don't think he hit a three last night. Um, there's going to be a stretch of the season where Dodo's not hitting threes. And when those things sometimes happen at the same time, just because they're getting worse looks or, and I just put the Clippers game in its own little basket over there and it just stays. So it doesn't really cloud my vision that much until maybe playoffs. And then I'll look back at that Clippers game and be like, okay, this is what good teams are going to do too. Hmm. Um, can everybody can everybody shoot this well consistently? And if not, can we overcome to where it doesn't look like everything's broken? Because yeah. <laughs> it ha- when ev- when all of that hits at once, man, it it looks like last night. But you'll be playing against Miami, 
Yeah. And it's just like, man, nothing's working. The Knicks. Yeah. Both Knicks games. Game. Uh, so they, this season, they're 9-1 and one when they shoot at least 35% from three. Mm-hmm. And they're 2-5 and five when they don't. Yeah. And 35 is like average. So if they're average or better, they're almost unbeaten. I mean, yeah. that's the level that they're playing at. And when they don't, they're not. Uh, their opponents, meanwhile, when they're 40% from three, they're two and four. And when they're not, and 40% is like insanely good. So when their opponent are not insanely good from three, they're nine and two. Yeah. So it really is kind of this make or miss league. Yeah. But uh, as far as the Mavs personnel, uh, what do you, th- I already said KP shooting 37%. Mm-hmm. What do you think Tim is shooting on threes? Tim went two games of almost being perfect after starting the season one and one of 17. So I bet Tim's shooting like 31, 32. 36. Really? Yeah. Nice. Maxi, 35.8. What do you think Seth is at? Seth is at probably low, man. I bet he's like, for his standards, I bet he's yeah. like 35. 37 and a half. 37 and a half. Dodo. Dodo wasn't that good at the beginning of the season. He was just making them when they mattered. Um, 34? 33. Mm. Jalen Brunson, 27. DeLon, 29. Yeah. JJ, 70%. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jackson, 45%. Yeah. Man. So they got a lot of guys. Lucas, 32.9. Right yeah. Now, which is, that's not very good right. on, on nine attempts. I mean, well, it's after good. an 0 for 8 game, too. Yeah, true, so. true. Uh, I think he was at like 35 before yeah. the Clippers game. So collectively, you have one – JJ's played three games, so he doesn't count. Mm. Uh, you have one guy, Justin Jackson, shooting out of his mind. And everybody That's else, what he can do, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, he can. I mean, I, he, I am anxiously awaiting the day whenever he gets more minutes. But yep. at this point, it's tough to figure out who to not play instead of him. I mean, it just is. But um, they have a lot of guys that are shooting right at about league average, which is between thirty-five. They actually have a few that are shooting above. You know, shooting in the thirty-seven. Do, do you think this is a league average shooting team, though? I don't know. I mean, they're definitely getting better than league average looks. Mm-hmm. They're they're taking now. This that's, is this is that's one. That's the thing. balancing act, right? Yeah. So they take eighteen wide open threes per game, yeah, and seventeen and a half open threes per game. Well, what's the difference between open and wide open? Open is whenever six your closest feet? defender is four to six feet away from okay. you. Wide open is six plus. So uh, collectively, they're taking thirty five open or wide open threes per that's game. That's crazy. Yeah. Last year they were taking thirty three. Um, they were actually taking a higher percentage of their shots were wide open than open. But either way, I mean, they're getting a lot of good looks. Yeah. And conceivably... I mean, that's wild considering how many threes Luka's shooting, which are usually step backs. They're which I don't not think, open. Yeah, which I don't think are marked yeah, as He accounts open. for almost all of their yeah. not open threes. Um, conceivably, adding Curry and Porzingis and then having Jackson here for the whole year makes you better. Um, but a lot of their... I mean, Maxi and Dorian combined are taking almost eight threes per game. Uh, Tim is taking six. So between those three guys, that's 14 threes a game being taken by players who are, you know, rarely above league average. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Seth is taking, what, three and a half. Porzingis is taking they, – they combine to take ten. Mm-hmm. So you're adding ten really good shooter looks and also adding 14 that are – you know, historically not. So uh, if Maxi can sustain at 36 and if Tim can sustain at 36, that's really good. And they'll definitely be league average or better. Yeah. I mean, 100%. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I know the cold streak's coming for somebody. Um, one of the role players that 
it's not the only thing they're contributing, but it's the only thing they contribute on offense mm. besides maybe rebounding and just good spacing. And when those start, you know, we saw it last year when Dodo went cold, Maxi went cold. It's like, man, can you just like stay on the defensive end of the court down there yeah. on the other end for a while? Cause, it's deflating. Yeah. It's deflating. Because, I mean, it's a really cool trick. That's why it's so valuable, right? Um, if you can, if you're a role player that does a couple different things, either defensively or on the boards, or is as smart as a connector, quote unquote, and then you knock down threes, like you have agency. You are super valuable. And then the month you don't, like you're almost unplayable. Mm. That's the line. And I think Maxie's kind of overcome it. And I think he's now a 35, 36, 37. For the back half of last year, he was consistently pretty yeah. good too. Yeah. Um, and if he can do what he does, which is, you know, defend the pick and roll at a very high level, rebound, you know, league average, um, and, you know, generally pretty good floor runner and athletic guy that knocks down 37, 38, 39% from three, you're pretty valuable. Mm. And you're going to play 20-plus minutes a night. But you get into that issue where it's like, you know, your second week of January and you haven't hit a three in two games or three games, and it's like, okay, should I throw Boban in there to go rough somebody up? Like, and Last night, Boban went in the game and – it was his worst plus-minus game of the year. Was it really? It had nothing to do with him. I mean, yeah. he missed a couple post-up looks, but the entire complexion of the team changes whenever he's in because yeah. he's not going to be this rim-running force, right? You know, and yeah, so, it's a weird way to play offense. Yeah, he's he definitely. I mean, he sets good screens, obviously, because he's a gigantic human. But it just the offense is always weird. Mm. It's always like station to station offense. Yeah, it's like that that, that and that, yeah. That. Last night it was it was Boban out there with. Jalen and, and DeLon and Boban and Luca have had some really good connections because mm-hmm. Luca is just so I mean Luca's so good at passing, but um Jalen and DeLon are are less savant like. That's no right. knock against them. Right. But um I mean you need a little more I don't know, you you need to introduce a little more dynamic element out there if Boban's mm-hmm. in the game. Maybe yeah. JJ or something, I don't know. Jalen's um, gonna he's gonna start heating up. Mm. I really think he is. Well, we fist bumped him last night. Yeah, he talked to For us. For those last who don't night. know, Mike and I ate lunch with Tim Hardaway at the beginning of last week, and he went on yeah. to have like the hottest shooting week. Yeah, he in didn't NBA miss from history. three for like four days. Yeah, so uh, yeah, our our little our what I don't know goodwill. Yeah, I guess our gift. Yeah, our gift. Um, yeah, it's secrets in the brisket. Mm, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Jalen's gonna. This is not a knock on Jalen. I love Jalen. He's probably the guy I like. Personally, the most on the team, just because I spent the most time with him. Uh, he hasn't played super well this far. And mm-hmm. I think he'd tell you that. He's had one or two games in which he's been, you know, what I my expectation of him is. Well, he told us on Ceiling is the Roof, which mm-hmm. you should subscribe to, as well as the Four Pointer, Mike's podcast. Um, he told us that his goal this year was to be more consistent. And mm-hmm. really, he has not been very right. consistent. Right. Missed the goal, bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Just, uh, just jokes. But uh, I think he's going to play much better. And I think they're still figuring out how to use him because they realize you can't play him and Luca in the same backcourt right now. Um, so there's the question of how do I deploy this weapon and then if the weapon's even working uh, offensively, which is where he contributes the most. Um, because a lot of times what happens to him is the offense gets stagnant and, okay, Jalen heated up and there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock and he's – dribbling and spinning and stopping and starting and shooting really difficult shots. 
Um, and so it's almost a matter of what kind of looks he's getting, which isn't a high priority mm. at all in the Mavericks offense of let's get Jalen Brunson better looks. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he, whenever he's out there with like him, DeLon, Tim, and Maxi, it's just a tough – I mean, Tim is getting a lot of shots. DeLon is not really spacing the floor, right? Yeah. And, and he's so good in transition that if they ever get a turnover or miss a shot, it's just like just give it to DeLon. Yeah. And so that's, that's two areas, you know, because Tim is making a lot of plays and DeLon is doing the open court thing. That's two areas that Jalen is both pretty good in that he's not really being used. And mm-hmm. then Maxie is not the, quite the rim runner that Dwight is, which means there's less pick and roll. And so it's kind of like you would have to restructure a lot in order to put Jalen in a good position, uh, which might end up happening anyway. I'm not sure how long Dwight starts uh, or if Maxie comes in the starting lineup or if like Dwight plays more with the second unit if J.J. starts getting minutes. I, I don't know what's going to happen. This is going to change a lot, I think, in the next few weeks. But um, I think that's a – Something we definitely need to try. We need to try JJ and Dwight. Yeah, coming in because I agree. My honestly, I know where we're at this season. Um, what are eleven and six? Mm. Seventeen games in. My expectation for everybody, not named Luka Doncic, is a maybe Tim. Tim's had some pretty sporadic performances, but on the whole, him dropping twenty a couple times and thirty one one time uh, is pretty impressive. Besides those those two guys, I expect every single person on this team to play better than they have thus far. Wow, call I, them out! I think man. I think they're better. I yeah. think I think they're better players. I mean, Dodo's I, been I think on par. Justin's been really good, and Dorian has been yeah. really good. Dodo's been on par. Maxi's been about on par. Mm. But I mean, Jalen, Dwight, KP, go Delon down the list. in half Delon, court. Yeah, Delon in half court offense. I think those guys are better than their numbers have been thus far, mm. just across the board. So, if any of if some of those uptick, like I talk about things that can hold, things okay, is this is this fake gold? Is this is this something we're just seeing? You can also do it the negative way, right? Like mm-hmm. I, my expectation of those guys and what they can bring is higher than what they brought thus far, and we're still eleven and six, and we still went on a five game winning streak, and we still feel pretty damn good about this thing. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, whenever you have a, a supernova, it kind of makes everything okay. Yeah. It lifts everything. And when you got two, yeah. I mean, when KP starts clicking. And the thing is, like, almost all of these guys is on off, especially the bench guys, are really good, mm-hmm. um, even if their individual numbers aren't. And that was before beating Golden State and Cleveland by 80 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they were – like, Jalen's on off was the best on the team until Dwight came back. Yeah. And even then it was the best for a while. And Jalen, I would say, has taken a – has not had a very good year. I mean, he's hitting twos well, but he's not shooting it well, and he's, mm-hmm. he's just not really, like, as consistently good, I think. Yeah. But his on-off is incredible. Yeah. And whenever that is the case, I mean, it's kind of like I, – I know that plus-minus only means so much, but uh, if you're consistently a positive, then whatever you're doing is working. It's just mm-hmm. not – you know, at, at least on defense. Yeah. I'll, I'll go back to the conversation we had last time. I think we did one of these, which was after the Knicks loss before we went on the five-game winning streak, yep. which I think we got a pretty immediate answer on what their decision was. But uh, whenever you have a team that isn't exactly fully actualized, right, I think you need maybe another offseason and maybe another two before you're like, okay, this looks like that Clippers team. Like, they have role players flying out of everywhere that are just going to raise hell, and you can't stop these two other guys. Um, I think we're a little bit of distance away from that 
just honestly as a Mavs fan and employee, like I think we're just not quite there yet in terms of building. A couple years away from winning a championship. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe just a couple. <laughs> um, but when you are at this point and you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know um, what kind of tricks you can pull off on a night-to-night basis, do you lean further into the things you're doing at an elite level, which is offense, which is the number one offense in basketball, I mean, historically right now. So the gap between them and Washington in number two is larger than the gap between Washington and 13th ranked Damn. Portland. Jeez. I mean, they're yeah. so much better than everybody else right, right now. <laughs> so this is like the ultimate question to me. Because basketball is so connective and the same person plays offense that plays defense. Um, and very rarely do you make the defensive subs for like uh, a particular – and you build your offensive starting lineup usually around – or your starting lineup around offense most of the time. Who can get your points? Because it's, it's, a, it's a race to, to 120 on a night. Um, do you – now you know that you have this trick in your bag. You got, you got the big dog. You got the driver. You can knock it 400 yards. Do you lean into the offense even more and say, whatever happens defensively, I'm ready for the repercussions? Or do you try and do little tricks to balance it out? Because some nights you can get away with it. I mean, against your Clevelands, against your, you know, um, who's the other team we scored? Golden 140? State. Golden State. You can get away with it. You can almost throw up any lineup out there, and it's going to work, um, as long as Luke is hot. But do you commit to, you know what, let's try and score 140 every single night? Or do you try and be this balanced team that can play you about 10 different ways and, um, you know, start Maxi um, because I think he is a better defender than Dwight? Maxi and KP together is really, really freaking good on defense. Yes. But yeah. offensively, it – it just misses yeah. pizzazz. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the long run, and I'm sure Rick probably grapples with this on a daily basis. Like, okay, we're playing this team. Do I think our best way to end the game with more points than them is us to get to 140? Or is it to try and limit them to 105? And basketball, it's so unique because – you can go get a bucket on that guy. That guy's coming right back at you. You better be able to stop him at some point. So do you want to – and even going throughout this season, if you make moves, if you bring in something, do you want it to be something to address your defense or do you want it to take your offense into just a nuclear stratosphere? We were talking right before we did this in our pre-production meeting that lasted about – 15 seconds. Maybe 15 seconds. I said that this is almost, almost note for note. Yeah. The exact season that they were having the year that they made the Rondo trade. Let's learn some lessons from that. Almost game by game record is identical. I mean, it's like, it's eerie. And they're, they're annihilating bad teams and Mm -hmm. they're, they've lost to a lot of good teams. Now they've beaten Denver and Houston in their house, which is awesome. Those are two of the best wins they've had seriously in five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, but a lot of their wins have been against teams that probably won't be in the playoffs. And a lot of their losses have been to teams that will be playing game one of the first round at home. And so I think that's kind of also leads to your same question. 
that year they were they were in a slightly different position because they had Dirk at 38 years old or whatever, and they were like, well, this might be our last chance at it. And we got Tyson on a one-year deal, and we just got Parsons. We're trying to take this thing to the next level because we got free agency next season that's going to be awesome. And and so they swung for the fences and missed. Now, you know, if you had to do that all over again, would you do it? I don't know because you needed to stop the good teams. Their defense was not good. Their offense was great. And so you figure if we get two or three points worse at offense and five points better at defense is worth it. I don't know that there's a trade like that on the table this year or even like next year. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not a genius, but uh, I don't know. I mean, they made a – they shook it up a little bit. Um, maybe this year, you know, your needs are different. Your timeline is different because there's no rush to win the championship today. Right. But and your team's not old. Like Yeah. But, I mean, I think that we've seen enough now through 17 games. Now, obviously, if, if suddenly – one guy gets hurt or if whatever, then things can change. But I think we've seen enough of this team to know that this is probably a playoff team as long as they don't screw anything up too bad. And that's a big – to me, that's a big win. That's an enormous success. I mean, if they go 500 the rest of the season, they'll probably mm. make the playoffs. Yeah. So you just don't – just don't lose. Yeah. Like, don't be a losing team. Um, keep taking care of business. But – is making the playoffs good enough? Is being the sixth seed or the eighth seed good enough? And if, if the answer is yes, which in my opinion it is, making the playoffs is fantastic. That was my goal at the beginning of the year. Can you be the eighth seed? That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I told you whenever the schedule came out, you're not supposed to, but I did that little game-by-game thing where yeah. I, I said every game was going to be a win or a loss. My most optimistic run-through was 44 wins. And right now they're on pace to blow that out of the water. Yeah. And so that would be incredible but um if they have higher aspirations or if they see an opportunity to shore up the defense which to this point has been a weakness although now they're up to 15th in defensive mm-hmm. rating which is interesting but um you know if there's an opportunity to do something do they do it and if they do is mm-hmm. it to try and get rondo in here to fix the defense or is it to try and get uh, Amari Stoudemire in here to open up the offense a little bit. I mean, no. I, I don't know. Uh, I think they can improve defensively just on the face as well. I like, think so. I think just figuring out how to use KP in a smarter way that doesn't put him in, you know, pick and roll hell ten times a game. And they've been better at that, although yeah. their opponents that they've been playing lately have not been yeah. that kind of team. That's true, yeah. You need to see it whenever a team starts running at I mean, Suns will probably be a good test. Yeah, Booker is um, annoying. Yeah. They, now they did play well against Houston, but that was very unorthodox. Right. That was not a real yeah. game. It just comes down to a flaw. I mean, it's just like a pick your flavor type thing is what it is. What it comes down to, like, what does the coaching staff truly feel is the way to win basketball games? Um, and we'll, I mean, we'll figure it out. Obviously, I think most coaches would say, "Oh, I'd like to be balanced," but if you're telling them you could put player player X here who shoots 40% from three and has this plus minus and his offense rating is this. And then you put defensive players who's equally good defensively right next to him. I think 75% of the coaches pick the offensive guy. I think so. Um, you have Luca. Yeah. You have the ultimate cheat code in the NBA on your team. I mean, right. Luca is basically if Giannis could shoot. Yeah. I mean, he's already at that level. Yeah. And I would, I would say, Lean into what you already have, which I mean is an offensive basketball team that is historically good. Because if you start 
toying around the edges with things like that and trying to fix your defense. Number one, fixing your defense with one, one player, it's not a thing that happens. Mm. You don't add Giannis and your defense is fixed. You don't add Rudy Gobert and your defense is fixed. Mm. It's not a thing in the NBA anymore. The teams are too good offensively. There's too many things they can do to you. Um, so I would just caution rushing the rebuild, you know, um, stay flexible, stay mm-hmm. fluid, be able to make a move whenever it comes up 18 months from now. I mean, the, the move could come up tomorrow, Yeah, but if it doesn't, it's not like a right. catastrophe. That's, that's, that's the whole job. That's yeah. telling the difference, yeah. you know? Um, and I think about this every time I watch the Rockets, cause they're mesmerizing to me, not in a sense of like the basketball's pretty or anything, but it's really not. They've they've clearly bought into the fact that they are fine with James being an MVP candidate and scoring forty and not being a legit contender. Somewhere deep down, they've said this is fine mm-hmm. because it's marketable, because James is fun, because you're gonna get a bunch of bleacher report retweets. Because he's going to be on the MVP podium every year, mm. and that keeps you making money and having fun basketball in your city. Mm. And that's worth a lot. Mm. Um, Look at Portland, man. Yeah. I mean, they if you ask like the, the GM writers in the league, they should have blown it up five times, but they're in right. the playoffs every year. Yeah. Oh, now, this like year they might not seed. be, yeah. but there's value to making the playoffs all the time. Yes, yes, and you're, you keep that team together, and they learn how to win. Um, Portland's great undoing is probably never signing a legit forward. Mm. I mean, I know they wanted Parsons uh, back when, whenever that happened, et cetera. But um, the it's a very similar question to what I'm asking about our offense. Um, I did, you know you're probably not winning a championship with that style of score 140 or bust and let the defense kind of, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Mm. Um, just like the Rockets probably know they are not winning a championship. Um because so much of their offensive output is hinging on one man. And one man can be solved. And James is one of the most unique players that's ever lived, where you can't solve him 85% of the time. But you know what? In the playoffs, you can solve him in a game seven. And that's the one that's the one that matters. Mm-hmm. That's the one that matters. And you just get in a weird game with weird refs that aren't calling it for him, are tired of watching him play, for the fifth straight time, he's going to the basket and trying to get a foul call, and he doesn't get the call. And it, it's just they've seemed to have looked each other in the eye and go, gone, okay, this is fine. This is fine. Being a top five, seven team in the league, winning 50-ish games, having an MVP candidate, you could do a lot worse. You really could, man. I mean, we're legit not going to probably ever make a conference finals. And I mean, they did. They, yeah, they, they had, had their chance. Yeah, they had one. Um, we're never going to legit be a title contender, like top two, three team. So, and then that's you have to because you can't have it all now. There's a salary cap. There's <laughs> there's a draft. There's you know guys are going to choose where they want to play. You don't keep them their whole career. So you choose you choose your, your poison. You're just picking these poisons out. And to me, I think you, at least this season, what's working is leaning in offensively. And if you win 45, 46, 47 games and you make the playoffs and you host, you know how cool it would freaking be to host two, at least two playoff games here it would be with awesome. Luka? It would be awesome. That would be so cool, man. Playoff Luka may, might not be his first time. It might not be amazing. But 
here pretty soon, playoff Luka is going to be yeah, like... Yeah, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. It's going to be a thing. And that's a step you have to take. There's game six, Clay. There's mm-hmm. elimination game, LeBron. Luka yep. is going to be that kind of player. Yep. Yep. And it might be game one, Luka. Like, he'd 40, 10, and 10. Mm. You know? Um, and there's KP, too. Yeah. But, you, I mean, you got to play that. You got to start playing playoff minutes. Mm. You got to get in games that matter. Because if you don't, then, I mean, he's probably already learned a couple bad lessons from last year of, like, shooting step back threes late in games whenever you don't have to force that shot. Um, or it's just like, why are you shooting from 37 feet right now? You know, there's, and it's just different when every single thing matters. And they need to play those kind of, they need those kind of reps. They 100% need them. So let's make the playoffs. Let's not rush the rebuild. Let's lean in offensively. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm not saying if you just lean in offensively, it's automatic playoffs and it's Mm. automatic success and, you know, top five team in the league for years to come. But to me, it is. To me, that's how you run this year. So I think the only thing about the defensive side that I really want to see improved, um, I know they've been getting bullied on the glass a little bit, but I'm really not too worried about that. It's the shots you give up lead to getting bullied on the glass. Mm -hmm. It has, a, it has to do with other things, but right now they're 29th in turnover percentage on defense, meaning only one yeah, team in the NBA them. forces turnovers less often than them. And that is really not good because your, your personnel, if you want to lean in on offense, right, mm-hmm. then that means you might get beat on defense. And so if you can turn possessions into offense, then that is going to help you, even if it means – taking chances now kp does this it kind of drives me crazy but he jumps passing lanes every now and then and he's been cooked a lot but whenever it's worked it's led to a dunk or a free throws or whatever and so i'm not saying take chances all the time but they've got to find a way somehow to create more turnovers mm-hmm. um, because that leads to easy offense and even if it means playing 10 percent riskier to get an extra turnover or two per game then i'm i'm down to do it um but that's really the only thing on defense right now that I think is like really feasibly possible with the personnel that they have. Unless your defensive guys, DeLon, Maxi specifically, and Dorian, prove that they can be better offensively, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of leads to, uh, kind of ties back to the leaning into offense thing. Like, if we need to score 120 points to win, then we need to have players on the floor who can get us to 120. No. And so, well, they don't. They don't have a defensive Luca, which I know most teams don't. Yeah, I mean, like Dodo's the closest. KP yeah, KP, Dodo, Dodo are like the closest thing, but they're just not. They aren't making. And I mean, when I say a defensive Luca, I mean somebody that makes everything else easier. Mm. Right, you're a Gobert, yeah, kind of guy. Dodo does a lot of the time. Like he'll just you just walk into a game and you know Dodo's chasing around Kawhi, and. It makes assignments easier. It doesn't make you not worry about what's going to happen still. Mm-hmm. Um, because Dodo plays his ass off, and he's a really good defender. But, I mean, people can still get numbers on him uh, every once in a while. And they don't, you know, in theory, KP's that guy that can shut down a cat. Or at least protect the rim. Yeah. And he's been doing that. Yeah. He has been doing that. Can shut down an Embiid or, you know, or at least just make everyone's lives easier. They don't have anybody like that quite yet. And that's, you know, why you're – Ned just now creeping up to whatever 15th defensively after playing Cavs and Golden State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, those are all the things that I kick around on a night-to-night basis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm like, is this 
how does this work long term? Is this going to hold? Should we be trying to balance offense and defense at all or just fire away? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And there's going to be, I mean, with the schedule coming up at Phoenix, at L.A., and then, like I said, in December, man, it's like Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Raptors, and Milwaukee again, I think, or something. I mean, it's like – insane or no they go to philly and to toronto that's a back yeah that I mean, sucks it's tough they they have a very tough schedule for the next month and so there's going to be some losses that are going to be kind of hopeless like last night and there might be some wins that make you feel like we're going to live forever mm -hmm. but uh take the advice from rick and from dirk and from all these guys that have been doing it from mark followell taught me this lesson but not not getting too high not getting too low um I know that being a basketball fan is very fun, and this team in particular is super fun. So you get emotionally attached, and you're passionate, and you're into it, and you want them to win every game. And when they don't, you you know, you want someone to get fired, whether it's uh, Rick or the guy who designed the jersey or whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, clear shot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's step one. You know, we're not a quarter of the way through the first season of what's probably going to be like a ten or fifteen year project. And so, uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, that means things don't, will have worked out. Don't start running yet. Yeah, I mean, it's... We're at a brisk walk. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's baby steps, man. But, um, but, yeah, we'll see. There's already some rumors swirling around about trades, and, there, you know, it's, it, that's only going to get louder as the season goes on. And then, too, yeah. I mean, in the summer and moving forward, man, every single time there's ever a free agent or a player that's on the trading block, Dallas is going to be mentioned because of Luka and because mm -hmm. of Porzingis. And that is going to be the new norm. Uh, yeah. Instead of Dallas is the team with cap space, it's right. going to be Dallas is the team with two superstars. Yeah. And so uh, you got to get used to that. Yeah, get used to that, and that it's means be that exhausting. The, their teammates have got to get used to that. Yeah. Like, if you're, well, I mean, uh, w this isn't really tampering to say it. If you're like Dwight Powell, your name is going to pop up in every single trade article ever made of all yep. time, and that's going to happen for five or six of these guys forever. And so. Mm -hmm. You've got to stay together. You've got to stay the course. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. As a fan, as, a, as an observer, as a guy who's loved the Mavs my whole life, this is a super exciting time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be fun for a very long time. But for <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's stressing me out a lot. Yeah. For uh, reasons both good and bad. Yeah, I think if you look back in the history of the league and – if a team, whatever, you know, their Vegas projected over-under was for the season and they're overachieving it now and they feel like they need to make a big swing because, well, now we're better than we thought we were going to be. Why not take another leap? Sometimes you leap and you don't land on anything. Mm. Sometimes you trade for Rondo. Yeah. Sometimes we have a perfect example like that. We just got pretty big for our riches mm -hmm. and thought, you know, we're – we're a really good basketball team. We score a lot. You know what to fix it? If a great point guard comes in here that can shut down other wings. And we weren't there yet, thinking mm -hmm. that was like the the cherry on top of this, of a championship cake. And it just, I would, and it was boring to say, let these guys grow together and let's see what the off season brings. And unless it's like a minor deal, you know, I'm talking about like a complete restructure of our expectations are higher now. Mm. So now I need a player that can play to those expectations. Trading four guys and every pick for one guy. Yes. Yes. That's 
that's the kind of stuff that can short circuit your rebuild mm. and nothing Look hurts at the LA worse. Rams and the NFL man yeah they've traded every pick they have for the next decade and they might not even make the playoffs yep things yeah. fall apart quick no huh? that's thing this this Luca KP thing will be over before you blink. Yeah, like it's just like watching your kids grow up, man. So you just gotta you gotta kind of enjoy it. And mm-hmm. you yeah, know, you and don't get many chances to to strike. So sometimes you want to leap at the first opportunity that you see. But sometimes patience is a virtue. Right, and very rarely are guys available in a trade just pure on the face value. Something's mm-hmm. Something's not always right there. Yeah. If they're if they're I don't know if trade is the great greatest way of acquisition for us, like mm. just honestly. Now it's um, been their most probably effective. Yeah. But there's of also recent, been some misses. Of recent, it's been pretty pretty dang good, technically, because Luga was a trade, KP was a trade. Um J Kid and Jet and Sean right. Marion and Tyson, yeah. all trades. Yeah. But it's I don't at this point, I don't know if it's it has to be a pretty unique situation like those guys. Mm. And I just don't know how many of those exist that are realistic. Yeah. Um, so let's just let's watch what these guys can be and get a full assessment. Because that's the thing, too, right? If you play 30 games with a team, you don't have a full assessment of what they are. Um, and then you throw this random thing in there. And then, okay, everybody's getting fewer shots or getting different shots or don't know where to play on defense. And then you, you can't self-evaluate at all. Um, so I think, to me, the answer is let's see what we have. See what the off season brings. See what the opportunities are on draft night, um, and that's how you make this thing a responsible contender for a while. Mm. And in between now and then, if any of the players are listening to this and want to get some barbecue, yeah, we're open. Hit us up. Do you want to? Do you want to shoot four for four from three on a game? Barbecue with your boys. You're let's paying. Get, let's get some smoked turkey. You're for sure paying, but for that's sure. all right. Yeah. Well, because we're doing you a favor. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. Uh, we are helping you. Unless it's broke off, because he's he's like always crunching the numbers. Like yeah. he's gonna be. Weird well, he, about he'll it. find money. Yeah. He'll he'll find the money. He'll create. Yeah. He'll, <laughs> he'll cook the books for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, thank you for joining. Yeah, man. I appreciate that was fun. it. If you were listening to this podcast and you for some reason have not listened uh, to Shame. either the ceiling is the roof, which Mike and I host. Or uh, the four pointer, which Mike hosts with Jake Kemp. First, shame on you. Second, go and subscribe. That is on every channel of uh, podcast, whatever, every Wherever platform out there. Um, the ceiling is the roof is great. We interview. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of guests. We had a lot of players over the summer. I'm gonna go um, ahead and predict uh, Greg Buckner next week. The oh. great Greg Buckner, my really? my dude. Really? All right, that's cool. Um, I feel like Greg Buckner would have some interesting insight on uh, playing on a young team that makes the playoffs for the first time. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that maybe dude's we'll, awesome. I love Buck. Maybe, maybe we'll ask him about that. Uh, so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, again, Mike's show, The Four Pointer with Jake Kemp, is awesome, too. It's some really good Mavs talk once a week. Uh, this is Numbers on the Boards. It is presented to you by Bedgear. I'm sure Skin will be back next week. Uh, if not, then uh, I'll, I'll make it work somehow. Maybe he'll just get lost in the ocean or eaten by a mm. shark or something. Dolphin's um, going to eat him. Dolphin's going to marry a dolphin. Yeah, he's going to lose his phone. Like, I don't know where my phone is right now. I've been very... It's been a long time. I've tried to pay attention to you, you, and I'm, like, really worried. Kind of proud um, of you. I'm hoping that it's where I think it is, but uh, You're if not it's not... You're not freaking out. Yeah, well, on the inside, I'm just yeah. dying. But, uh, but, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, thank you for listening to this 
great podcast, Mike. Thank you for joining this fantastic podcast. Yeah, man, podcast. anytime. I sit and right next to you, so I can't really hide. Yeah, that's true. You can't. Uh, Mavs basketball is not stopping. Neither is this show. Uh, hope you all enjoy the holiday and the games next week, and we will see you then. 